Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 2, Episode 31 in the Book of Daniel. Daniel's Final Vision, Part 5. Biblical Tapestry is a year old in this episode, and I want to thank all those who routinely listen to these studies. This is not done for profit or any other reason than to express the value of the Word of God. And as we all know, Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. Today in this 31st episode in the book of Daniel, finishing up in chapter 11 and studying Daniel's final vision, this next section deals with the prophecies of the end times, things that have not yet transpired, but will, just as all the other prophecies have been literally fulfilled. All right. Let's look at Daniel chapter 11, verses 36 through 45. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, for what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his ancestors or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god but will exalt himself above them all. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god unknown to his ancestors. He will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god, and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many people, and will distribute the land at a price. Verse 40. At the time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. He will also invade the beautiful land. Many countries will fall. The Edom, Moab, and leaders of Ammon will be delivered from his hand. He will extend his power over many countries. Egypt will not escape. He will gain control of the treasures, treasures of gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt, with the Libyans and Cushites in submission. But reports from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain, yet he will come to his end, and no one will help him. So from these verses to the end of the chapter, there are disagreements to timing and whom is being discussed. Some still think this is all about Antiochus Epiphanes IV, but there are issues that don't occur in earlier verses. This thesis is called the Maccabean Thesis. The problem is that it becomes impossible to align this, these verses with the life of Antiochus. Antiochus did not exalt himself above every god. He did not reject the god of his fathers or worship a god unknown to his fathers. He worshipped all the Greek gods, offering a sacrifice to Zeus, in fact, on the temple altar. Antiochus does not die in Palestine, but he dies in Persia. So we will look at these verses referring to someone else, starting here in verse 36. The immediate context leads us to the conclusion that this is another ruler, like Antiochus, who lives in the time frame just prior to Christ's return. These events will come at the time of the end. This end times person is not new to us because he's introduced to us in the book of Daniel with introductions in chapter 7 and 9. He is the little horn of Daniel 7 and the ruler that will come in Daniel chapter 9. 
Daniel 7, 8 says, Well, I was thinking about the horns. There before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As they looked, thrones were set up in, pal- in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. And we see in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and the desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now we study both these chapters in detail, and please reference those studies. In the New Testament, this is the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. And we see in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 12. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have believed the truth, have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. And going back to season 1 in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, Dear children, This is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. This is the same beast that in the book of Revelation takes up chapters 11 through chapter 20. All right, back to verse 36. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed for what has been determined must take place. The coming Antichrist will think that they can act with impunity toward anyone or anything, just as Antiochus had thought. Power will go to the head of this evil person, 
and belief in their own invincibility and importance. This will lead to shocking and blasphemous speech and actions against God and his people. He will succeed for a time, as all have, but there is an end. Time of wrath in this verse is translated from the Hebrew word za'am, which means the wrath of God is being poured out against the Antichrist and the Antichrist supporters in the last days. These last days of the tribulation, the 70th seven, as Daniel explains to us. These things are determined as explained in the book of truth, where Gabriel is passing on this information directly to Daniel. These things must take place in order of the sovereign God to accomplish his purposes. Verse 37, He will show no regard for the gods of his ancestors or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god, but will exalt himself above them all. The Antichrist will reject whatever religious practices that his ancestors had practiced. We know that the Antichrist rises from the area covered by the ancient Roman Empire, so perhaps this is a rejection of some kind of Christianity that he'd been known for where he came from. Now the next phase is problematic. It says, no regard for the one desired by women. What does this mean? Well, on both sides of this phrase is a continuing contempt for God. If this is referring to all things associated with God, then perhaps this is a reference to Jesus Christ. Philip Morrow felt that the one desired by women alludes to Christ because Jewish women had desired to be the mother of the Messiah, the one that was to come. The Antichrist has contempt for all religion except what exalts him, and as we see next, he has a god that he worships, a god of war and conquest. That is what the Antichrist honors. Second Thessalonians 2.4 says he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Verse 38. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god unknown to his ancestors. He will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. The god that the Antichrist will honor is a god of fortress. This can only mean military power and might. War is the Antichrist's passion, as it means a gain to more power for himself. His ancestors may not have honored this military power and might, but the Antichrist will. He will spend extravagantly with gold and silver to gain power and secure allegiances from people and nations. Verse 39, he will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many people and will distribute the land at a price. The Antichrist God is military power and might, and this foreign God, his ancestors did not worship, will propel the Antichrist to attack all the mightiest forces on earth. He will destroy all those who dare to challenge his authority and his power. Those who acknowledge him then will become rulers under the Antichrist. In Revelation 13.4 it says people worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, the beast here being Antichrist. They also worship the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? And the price paid for being assigned a ruler under the Antichrist 
is an unwavering allegiance to the Antichrist and to that policy. Loyalty to the Antichrist will be rewarded with power and leadership over others. This may also include payoffs and political favors. Verse 40, At the time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. Here is a return of the kings of the north and south, but this is the end times. So who are these antagonists? Well, the king of the south before us from Egypt, apparently some force opposed to the Antichrist that was sufficiently large enough to attack the north. Attacking whom? Well, it is best by the context and nature of the previous uh, Antichrist-like character being Antiochus Epiphanes, who controlled the northern kingdom of Assyria, that the northern king here is indeed the Antichrist. So this southern alliance comes up against the Antichrist, who with his massive military power will then invade many countries and overtake them. Verse 41. He will also invade the beautiful land. Many countries will fall, but Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon will be delivered from his hand. As part of this sweeping put-down of the southern rebellion, the Antichrist will invade Israel. This will spare the modern-day country of Jordan, where was found before Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Uh, why? <laughs> well, we don't know. Probably, most likely, they were spared, as they either have an alliance with the Antichrist, or they just didn't need to go through there. Verse 42 he will extend his power over many countries. Egypt will not escape. Well, this makes all kinds of sense, as Egypt was the home of the king of the south during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. This could also be likely a league of nations opposed to the Antichrist. However, they will be invaded successfully by the forces of the Antichrist. Verse 43, he will gain control of the treasures of gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt, with the Libyans and Cushites in submission. Well, the Libyans would be the area of North Africa, and Cush would be the area of Ethiopia and Sudan, areas not rich in today's standards, with the exception of oil and gas reserves. Verse 44, But reports from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate many. Apparently new attacks came against the Antichrist from the east and north, and the Antichrist mobilizes his forces to deal with them. This will be the beginning of his end. Verse 45, he will pitch his royal tents between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain, yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. Well, he will pitch his tent, he'll place his headquarters in Israel to meet these forces near the holy mountain where the temple stood. Here the Antichrist will meet his end, as administered by God, when God comes to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem, the Antichrist will be forever destroyed. Daniel 7, verse 11. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. Daniel 7, verse 26, But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven 
will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him, establishing the thousand-year reign of Christ. Well, I hope this study, and I hope through it, you realize that Daniel chapter 11 has enormous theological value. Donald Campbell tells us that in the first 35 verses, there are at least 135 prophecies that have literally been fulfilled. Now, no human being knows the future. Only God can give this incredible detail to Daniel and his people. Those prophecies to come will also be literally fulfilled, and that should give all believers hope in the actions of our God. God's people will ultimately be delivered. I hope you enjoy this Season 2 study in the book of Daniel. Next episode 32, we'll look at this last vision of Daniel to the prophecies concerning the end times as we start chapter 12 and the Antichrist's reign of terror before Daniel then is given final instructions. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Biblical Tapestry has a Facebook and Instagram page available. And I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have gained from this study. God bless and be well.